0: Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast with me, Jonathan Puddle. This is episode 88. Very excited to share yet another interview with Max Lucado. Max and I had a wonderful time last year, and I was blessed when his team reached out to me and said, Max would love to come back on the show. So we <laughs> we tried to talk about his new book, but given the cultural moment we find ourselves, and a stark moment we find ourselves living in, we ended up discussing a great many different things. His new book is all about isolation and loneliness and the God who meets us in the midst of the storms of our life. It is a very timely message for this moment. I do recommend you go and get it. It's just been released. But we, yeah, we talked about racism and how that affects you know his his role as an as a older white Christian male leader, how that sits with him and how he's had to learn, had his eyes opened. And anyway, we discussed lots of different things, so I know you'll enjoy this conversation. Also, thank you so much to everybody for celebrating my book launch. It came out Tuesday this week. You are enough learning to love yourself the way God loves you. You can go and buy it where all good books are sold. And if you did pre-order it, I'm giving away a bunch of bonuses to everyone who pre-ordered, but I need you to email me. You need to take your uh, purchase receipt, whether it was from uh, Amazon or my store or wherever you bought it from, and forward that via email to pre-order at jonathanpuddle.com send that to me and also give me someone else's email address because there was a BOGO offer you may not have even even known but if you send me the email address of one of your friends I will send them an ebook copy for free because you pre-ordered so uh, send those purchase receipts or whatever you've got receipts over to me pre-order at jonathanpuddle.com and I will get you on the list for all the sweet pre-order bonuses and get a free book out to your friend righty, so let's dive in to this conversation with Max Lucato. Well, this is this is special, Max. I was I enjoyed our time so much last year. I'm I'm so glad to get to have you on the show once again.
1: Well, I thoroughly enjoyed it as well, and and we enter had an ongoing text conversation here and there. Uh, you put me in touch with some friends with whom I've uh, had some good conversations, and oh, so good. it's been a very, very beneficial, b- beneficial relationship. Oh, I'm happy, wonderful. happy to connect with you again, and happy to hear you're doing okay.
0: Thank you, Max. That's that's such that's such a blessing to hear. I did get a text from from a couple of those folks saying, "Hey, Max," and I have kept in contact. So that's uh, that's wonderful. I just have to say, I've been meaning to, I don't know if I, I think I did text you about it actually, but um, that podcast you did with Jen Hatmaker was such a gift to me. And I don't know if you, if that was, if you got pushback for that kind of audience crossover, I'm sure that was, you know, in, in some people's minds, why are these two talking to each other? But I just thought, everything that you shared with her in that interview was so vulnerable and so beautiful. And, and the picture of she lives in one world and and you live in this world. And it was such a gift.
1: Really? Okay. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I don't know Jen very well, to be honest, Uh, even though uh, we have a lot in common, Uh, we've never had a, a real face to face conversation, but that podcast was, was very delightful. And she like you, Uh, asked some very good questions very very probing questions and uh and 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 so it was a it was a good thing to do a good Mm -hmm. thing to do i I like uh, getting into different circles it's 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 a challenge sometimes to do so uh because uh i'm in you know kind of a 65 year old white evangelical. And so it's (laughs) easy, it's easy to, to put me in a box. Uh, I really enjoy uh, getting out of that box. Uh, I'm welcome. I welcome any opportunity to have a conversation with anybody about, about anything, about anything. I don't perceive myself as a real contrarian. Uh, I don't believe myself. I don't really like controversy. I do enjoy, however, an honest conversation about a difficult topic, mm. but but I don't feel the burden to try to convince people that I'm uh, right or they're wrong. I don't. I, I, that doesn't make sense to me. But but if we can kind of pretend we're at a you know a coffee shop, and uh, you've got this perspective and I've got that perspective, I, I I I feel safe in saying, okay, here's where I come from. Uh, let me, l- please tell me where you're coming from. Mm. And and I think that's healthy. I think that's healthy. I think it's, a, we need a lot more of that today. Yeah. Uh, what, what the danger is, I, <laughs> we're not even talking about the book yet. I told you we could talk, but, but I think the danger is that, um, that we, we say just because somebody is talking to somebody, they, they agree. Right. Right. That's crazy. That's For crazy. Sure. Uh, you, wh- where do we come up with that? But if I do get criticism for the for the people with whom I have public conversations or podcasts or interviews, they say, yeah, why are you on that person's show? Or why are you talking to that person? Don't you know that they and then they fill in the blank. And I just want to shake my head and say, wait a second. Come on. Mm -hmm. We're all breathing the same air, living on the same planet. We can we really need to have constructive conversations. But most people don't do that. By far and above, people are grateful when when they hear uh, people trying to have sane conversations about yes. difficult topics.
0: That brings to mind. I read this this U.S. history. This is okay. I'm going to touch on a political subject, but there's no. We won't get into current politics. Don't worry. Uh, I, I i read this u s history book and it was eye opening for me it filled in a lot of gaps for things that i just didn 't understand obviously i'm not i've never, never lived in the states i've lived in many places but i've never lived in america I didn't grow up in your school system and, and taught your history but there was this piece regarding i don't know if it was congressmen or just the the way the par parliamentary system works but there was a time when it was common for for everybody to reside in DC. And that shifted at a particular point, certain, I guess, rules were changed. And what it meant was that everybody would come back home to their, to their areas where they'd be busy campaigning, and they'd go kind of more back and forth. Uh. But what, what the author said is that while everyone was living together in DC, because nobody was from there, and they had all come from a other out of state if it, it forced everyone to get to know one another all these congressmen and women who would be serving across party lines they had this thing in common that they were all fish out of water living in dc and so they might be at odds during yeah. the day at work but then they would come home and there was solidarity in the shared experience and they'd, so they'd be having barbecues and hanging out with one another across mm. party lines mm but that ceased to be the norm at some point due to people Mm. sort of traveling back to their constituencies. And I just thought,
1: yeah, I
0: thought that was so interesting. Sometimes Mm. even the things that change and that we have no idea the far reaching effects.
1: Yeah, you you know, I think that's really interesting. I do, and I I can, that's out of my realm of expertise, but I can imagine, I can imagine how that's the case i think that'd be fascinating to hear uh some politicians uh describe what their relationship with other politicians uh is in non-political circles i did see an interview uh i can't recall doesn't matter where i saw it but it was with joe biden and he talked about his relationship with john mccain Mm. and uh how they were dear friends how they were fast friends even though they didn't agree Uh, Initially, Joe, uh, John McCain apparently was the attache to Joe Biden and would actually uh, you know, he was still in the military and was called to carry Joe Biden's luggage and Joe Biden in the interview laughed because he said he never once carried my luggage always gave a hard time. And it was very delightful. And they described how they would uh, uh, they had many occasions in which they would meet at each other's homes for a barbecue or outdoor picnic. And uh, uh, Mrs. McCain described how the two would laugh, how they could mm. make each other laugh. And that was, that was, that was life-giving to me to envision that, that our leaders could, could do that. Cause you know, th- I've got to believe that the vast majority of them really want what's best for society, for the country. But you're right. The idea that uh, you don't see that very often is so polemic. Uh, what's the word I- yeah. polemical yeah. polemical is that right uh so 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 divisive
0: yeah and but the same seems to i think play out across the church and, and in so many spheres now yeah um, yeah it's, it's yeah. like it's like
1: that it's so. interesting interesting i'd like your perspective on this because just yesterday i i was uh having a conversation and a similar that uh, you and i are having a podcast with a delightful delightful young lady from australia from sydney and, and she had an interesting perspective on why Christians in, the, in America can be so contrary one with the other. Now, I want to get your test on
0: this. Sure, sure.
1: She said, the difference is that uh, there are churches on, in some cities, there's a church on every corner. And she said, you come to Sydney, and there's not a church on every corner. And 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 we feel like we're in a minority, and we don't have people running for office based on their Christian convictions. Uh, you know, they just don't. It's not a part of the conversation. And so we have been we have uh, been required, kind of as a minority, like the Jews in Persia or Babylonia. You know, uh, we're a minority, and we learn to to live together and put up with one another and disagree agreeably. And I think I thought now that's probably a great explanation. How, how would that? How would you perceive that, Jonathan? Would that be fair?
0: I think to a certain degree, yeah. I, I definitely have also grown up in in nations that are more further yeah. post Christendom, right? Like uh, for me, New Zealand, Canada, and, and Finland, and, and also France and Switzerland, right? Nations that are so much further down that yeah. road. And I think that's a I think that's a fair. Uh, assessment certainly as it relates to the church, it's kind of like, yeah, we're used more used to being a minority. Um, yeah. The the days where the where Christian culture dominated the conversation yeah. in Canada was long before my time. Yeah. So
1: I, 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 you know, you know, I love the church. I, I really do. I do. I do grow weary of how tacky Christians can be one with another. You know, if you disagree with somebody or, or if a Christian, especially a Christian leader struggles and has a public failure, it's, it's hurt breaks my heart when other Christians will pounce on that, you know, we shouldn't be that way with each other. So,
0: yeah,
1: it's a sadness, it's a sadness, but May the Lord have mercy.
0: Yeah, amen. So I think I think there's an aspect of that. I, I mean, this is sounds like I'm just trying to make a segue to talk about your book. I am, but, but, but I do think it's relevant. I do think it's relevant. But at some point, we need to, right? <laughs> I do think it's relevant that some aspect of this polemicism that's all throughout our societies uh, has got to result in, in fundamental loneliness, that ultimately, if I'm scared of being honest about who I am and my beliefs and I can't speak up with my friends because I'm scared that we're going to touch a hot button issue and someone's going to get triggered. I'm just going to not share who I am anymore. And then eventually all of us are going to pull further and further and further back until we're kind of isolated. Mm. And I don't know if that's how this is happening, but there, there does seem to be like a rampant isolation experience happening and, and I think before covid and I feel like covid really just turned the lights on to mm-hmm. say actually the isolation in your homes is really just uh, um, it's like it was already happening in your hearts
1: Wow what a good line I think you're right and um, I know you have a book coming out next week and I have a book coming out this week and and they seem to be in similar veins of uh, helping people. To to perceive themselves in such a way that they can be then in turn emotionally healthy enough to establish relationships mm. with one with one another. This book that I've written is called "You Are Never Alone." It is pre-pandemic. It was written uh, before uh, COVID, but I did do the I did complete the final drafts in the lockdown of last spring. And I was so grateful that I was I was in, into this conversation about uh, experiencing the presence of God uh, in a way that helps you deal with the loneliness of life. Because I do think you're I, I don't think I've heard it expressed that way. I I do think that COVID uh, revealed it didn't cause it just put a highlight spotlight on what was already there. Because loneliness was was already an an epidemic. It it was. Uh, I came across an interesting study uh i mentioned it in the first chapter of the book that the parkland hospital system in dallas texas the largest hospital system in the st- in the city was trying to figure out a way to unclog their overcrowded er's and they discovered that the repeat attenders or the repeat uh, patients were there not because of physical affliction but emotional loneliness mm-hmm. and er and a visit to the er was a uh kind of a drive through if you will uh way to treat their emotional loneliness cuz they got attention they had people inquiring about them right. uh asking them who they how they were uh and so they maybe they,
0: even some physical body contact yeah,
1: exactly yeah. exactly uh and 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 even as uh as covid has taken its toll we're seeing the increase in depression tragic increase in in uh, in suicides, I just got off the phone with a friend who lost two friends in two days to suicide. It's just it's just horrible. So I, I read last week that uh, CNN reported that calls to uh, emotional help hotlines are up eight hundred and ninety one percent. So it's it's just uh, it's just we're getting waylaid. You know, uh, people are are really struggling. But I think your point's a real good one, Jonathan. Maybe it's not that we're uh, Covid is causing this, but it's revealing something that was already there and just bringing it more to the surface.
0: What What are you offering people in terms of with the Lord and the Holy Spirit? What Yeah. What is yeah. Where do we go with this isolation and love? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, y- you
1: know uh, the 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 promise of Christ: you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, the the call to love your neighbor is really a call to try to step out of your own bubble and into relationships with others Mm -hmm. and there are many wonderful books written on how to be a good friend or create friends and i think those are so valuable the missing piece might be that first part however that that if you that if you want to be able to love your neighbor first you got to love god or let god love you Mm -hmm. and so this this vertical relationship needs to precede the horizontal relationship that, that idea has always been in my mind when I would talk to people and even in my own life when I'd feel lonely uh, because I'd realize that I need to be in communion with God in such a way that it nourishes those empty places in my heart. Uh, I shared a series of messages with our church uh, in 2018, 2018 based on the miracles of Jesus in the Gospel of John and tried to take that twist, take that angle. Of uh, what? What do these miracles have to say about the way God engages with us today? What's the promise? What's the message of each miracle? The miracle of the water to wine. The miracle of uh, you know the 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 man whose son was sick and who traveled from Capernaum to Cana. The miracle of Jesus in the storm. So I, sh- I just went through each of these miracles, trying to isolate a message or a promise that uh that would be beneficial for us today that it because john said i i collected these signs so that you might believe that jesus is the lord and in believing have life Mm -hmm. so it's more than just a mental acquiescence but it's a a life-giving faith uh, that that zoe that that vibrant life-giving faith and so uh that was the idea that's a the, the, the motif behind, behind the book. Again, it was all pre-pandemic except for the final draft. And, and so I do, I do think it's a timely uh, timely read because so many people are experiencing that isolation. And I simply invite them to look at these miracles and say, here's the kind of God that you have, the, the one who will enter your storm, who will enter your problem, whether it's something as relatively mundane as a wineless wedding, or something as severe as a dear friend who's four days dead in a grave? He will step into those stories, and uh, and he'll be with you as you face them.
0: I mean, it's if if Emmanuel like means like God with us, right? It's kind of like intrinsic. But I sus- I guess, I guess, okay. Two things seem to me to be intrinsic: one that the message. The whole time from Jesus is like, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm present. Look at me. I'm God in, in human flesh. I'm here. And if and if that's necessary for us, then also intrinsic must be this sense of loneliness, this core, God can't be near me. God, I, I am alone. I I don't I don't know what I don't know what that lie is specifically. But for God to come and enflesh Himself. And then say, hey, like, I'm Emmanuel, like my name, like, okay, Yahweh, like I am.
1: Yeah. And then it's
0: like, I am with you.
1: I am with you.
0: I am right here.
1: In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the challenge, I'm right here with you. Now, I've had this kind of conversation enough with cynics or, or secularists or doubters, dear friends, by the way, I don't mean to use that as a negative term but that's just where they are in the faith journey and they kind of give me that roll of the eyes you know that okay you religious guys that's the world you live in uh that's not for me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so i don't know i'm not sure real sure how jonathan I, I try really hard to separate this from uh their perception of a religion uh you know that uh, this is uh this is a Baptist thing or a Catholic thing or, you know, or, or a Mormon thing or whatever it is, you know, but it's not for me. And my, my, I beg that person, I beg them and say, yeah, it is. It is. It is. I don't care what your experience has been. And I don't care if you've avoided God or you feel like God has avoided you or you just missed out on the conversation or you checked that box years ago. I, my, my invitation is give it a go, give it a go. Mm give just give it a go just give it a go just 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 open yourself up to the possibility that there is a god who knows your name and who will engage in you your world right now wherever you are now i don't i don't i don't like the pandemic any more than anybody and i don't like the racial tension any more than anybody i don't like the chaos any more than anybody but maybe maybe this is what it takes uh mm. for us to to look up and say, God, we, we just got to have help because you know, we can't fix it. You know, uh, I mean, I, 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 we, we've put, poured billions of dollars and the best brains into trying to find a vaccine. And we still don't have one and, and forgive me. I'm not, I know that I can't imagine how challenging that is, but, but technology is not gonna, is not saving us right now. And, and at least in the United States, politics is not uniting us right now. And w- those of us who had hoped that, uh, that racism was something uh, that we had moved on from, learned a lesson when the knee was on the neck of George Floyd and the subterranean anger erupted. And so I, I think we've all been given a wake up call. We're not as, you know, cocky as we think we are and uh and we need help we need help and so maybe this this extended season of struggle that we find ourselves in might be a way for god to call our hearts
0: back to him yeah yeah maybe i I, I, he is good at bringing good from bad right yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's kind of what he does that's what he does. Uh, we need it for sure. When we spoke last time, you said to me that you were kind of embarking on a bit of a discovery to do with Holy spirit and seeking yeah, to maybe give more credit in, in your life and work to, to the, the, the mystical re- aspect and Holy spirit. And however that, however you would encapsulate that has that influenced this writing. Is that kind of, was that sermon series before or after? And how's that? It was, uh, it was after but
1: it has definitely influenced this writing and maybe this time next year if the lord allows uh we can have a conversation about that book because mm-hmm. it'll be out this time next year it's called help is here help is here uh living under the influence and strength of the holy spirit uh it was a a, ru- a truly life-changing experience for me Uh, and, uh, it, it, uh, it deepened my, my appreciation and love for and dependence upon the spirit of the Lord, uh, activated, I think some encounters with the spirit that I'd never had in my whole life. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a wonderful thing. I do not come from a, from a background that emphasized a deep dependence upon the Holy spirit. And so I've come to a deeper appreciation for, the role of the spirit in our lives today. Uh, and so I can't wait for that, for that, for, for that project to come
0: out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Amen. <laughs> that sounds exciting. I had, uh, this is a slight change of tack, but you brought up earlier being a, you know, a white guy, you know, of a certain age with an evangelical frame. I had Derwin Gray on the show a couple of weeks ago Did you and, uh-huh. uh, Pastor Derwin and I hit it off. I had a great time with him and uh, discussing his, his book on happiness. And, and he, right off the bat, I said to him, um, where are you at right now? You know, you're posturing in the South. This must be an intense time. You're coming off your vacation. You're going home. Kind of like, what's happening? And he basically said to me, Jonathan, like a lack of adversity is foreign to Scripture. Mm. Most of us Western affluent Christians are kind of shocked when we get any adversity up in our up in our space. <laughs> but he said we should totally expect it. That's mm. kind of like we're in this battleground. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that land land for you? It has has this season been shocking for you, or has it felt like okay, no, like this is. Because I've yeah. felt, for me, I'll just just to be. Honest, I felt shocked. I felt unprepared, and I felt convicted by the truth of his statement. Yes, I'm a Western affluent Christian, and I don't like adversity. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the the big takeaway for me for for the last few months has been an awareness of the racial bias with which I was still living. And here's here's what happened with me when. When the George George Floyd incident occurred, uh, the uh, the folks with whom I hang out, uh, uh, whom are primarily uh, who are primarily white older guys like me, uh, I, I began to hear uh, similar to what I've always heard about racism and comments like, "Well, I'm not racist." Uh, or we really—it's th- time to move on. Or even some kind of tacky comments like, "Don't they know what happened in the civil rights?" And so i i, I, uh, I decided to do something different this time. So, okay, if we talk about this, Jonathan, absolutely, yeah, it's sure. Not, it's not about the book, but it's—it's it's about where we are today. So I did something different. I said, "I, I think this time, before I say anything, oh, 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 I, I did this." I wrote a blog. I wrote a blog. Okay, about racism, and uh, I sent it to uh, some folks at my publishers. Uh, and And one of the ladies there, a recent graduate of Duke, she said, "My two best friends are black pastors. Let me just let them read this." Okay, we're it's raw. Okay, we're talking about. I can't remember the dates, the June dates that all this was happening. So just days later, and they read these two. I don't know these brothers, but both black pastors read it, and they said, boy, you're tone deaf. You're tone deaf. Mm-hmm. You're dismissing the hurt that people feel. So I didn't post the blog. I didn't. I, I said, okay, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to listen for a while. Uh, at about that same time, I received an invitation to a Friday conversation with black pastors in our city. Uh, and I went, I went, and there were, uh, I want to say, 30 people in the room, maybe five of us are white guys, and the rest were uh, male and female black pastors. And it was open mic, open mic, and uh, I I said, okay, I'm just going to keep listening. And I learned, I realized that I have some latent racism within me, that I have, I have dismissed these decades upon decades upon decades upon decades of oppression that uh, has been experienced by my black brothers and sisters. And I'll tell you the turning point for me, and then I'll be quiet and let you respond to what, you, what you've what you experienced, what you're thinking. The turning point to me was, uh, as I was listening, I, one of the pastors in our town is a delightful fellow by the name of Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray, you said, you said, I said, Der- Dur- Gray. I said
0: Dur- Derwin Gray, <laughs> Derwin
1: Gray. Okay. Dorian Williams, Dorian Williams. Dorian's an interesting guy, uh, because he is, uh, uh, he's a PhD. He, he's 4000 hours of flight time in military combat. It's hmm. a so brilliant guy. He's just a brilliant guy got a real heart uh, for in our city, the east side, is primarily the black community. And he's he's establishing churches uh, all over, uh, primarily here, but also in other cities. But he's, a, he's he, I say all that to say, he's a very perceptive fellow. And he said to me this, he said, when you're uh, an elementary student, uh, opening up the history book, and you saw that picture, uh, that was in every history book of a black man, and you saw the the scars on his back, the slave uh, in, in, in in 1840s, let's say, and you saw the, slave, this, the, the scars on his back from being whipped, he said, your response was probably, that's history. That's the sad part of our history. I saw that, and I said, that's my father. That's my grandfather. That's my family. And something about the way he said that uh, Jonathan it led me to say, okay, he's right. he's right. I have dismissed that I've downplayed it. I've said that's something in ancient history. we've moved on and uh, and so uh, it's it's been a wake-up call for me this summer to to and I still don't quite know what to do with it, right. Uh, but I'm in a process of learning that I want to do better. I want to do better. Uh, and, and, and these beautiful black brothers and sisters uh, with whom I meet on a regular basis, we can't meet every Friday because of schedules, but when we meet, I learn so much, I learned so much. And it's, it's a good thing that has come out of this for me. Mm-hmm. Forgive me. I kind of rambled there, but, uh,
0: no, no forgiveness required. It's a, it's a, I'm interested to hear your answer. I take a quick break once more to thank all of my patrons and everybody who bought a copy of my book, my new devotional. It's a 30-day journey into loving yourself the way that God loves you. Last week on the show, my friend Anthony interviewed me about how this book came about, and we had a very a uh, real and vulnerable conversation about our trauma and showing up in the world and embracing the space that we take up. If that sounds like it would be of interest to you, go back and listen to episode 87. But you can go and find out more about me at jonathanpuddle.com. If you'd like to support the show, $3 a month, patreon.com slash jonathanpuddle. And if you'd like to order a copy of my new book, you'll find it on Amazon or anywhere else books are sold. You are enough Learning to love yourself the way God loves you, by Jonathan Puddle. Let's get back to the show. Yes, you know it's been a season of listening for me for me as well. I, I in some cases have the benefit of being living in a more mm-hmm. diverse culture. Yeah. and 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 being that many more years. Mm-hmm younger and, and, and connected to indigenous groups and, and suffering groups and so on. New Zealand has its own racial histories that I, you know, learned and experienced growing up, but it's, yeah, definitely, um, coming to see the latent racism and the things that, like you said, I just, that to me would appear history or, or that I would share an article about racism out of an intent to bring awareness, especially to my white friends, but wouldn't realize that that same article might include pictures or things that would be very painful and traumatic for my friends of color to see. And, and it wouldn't cross my mind. You know, It wouldn't occur to me that yeah. what I'm sharing to try and raise awareness could be re-traumatizing for them.
1: Isn't that yeah. something?
0: And and that never crossed my mind. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm still really only thinking about me and my race here, aren't I? At the end of the day. So I've seen, a, I've been encouraged from my side to, to see a lot of specifically white male pastors, many of whom my age and many ages saying similar kinds of things. I, I did not understand. Yeah. And I am, My eyes are being opened. I I can't claim to have arrived. but um,
1: Well, let me tell you what Dorian and I did. I'm really curious to hear your response to this, because it's very different. At the same time I was meeting uh, this summer with these wonderful folks, we also planned a citywide prayer service uh, in in the largest parking lot in our city. And uh, we prayed about what to pray about. Uh, we just knew the city was in crisis and in cities all across the world are in crisis, and we wanted to pray and uh and so Dorian was on that leadership team and we he really felt strongly and I quickly agreed we need to pray about racism so he and I agreed that we we're going to lead the people who came and a lot of people came we we were going to have this time of prayer in which he and I are kneeling at an altar praying about racism, a black pastor and a white pastor uh on, on the week prior to that prayer, I did not know for what I was going to pray or exactly how I was going to pray. Uh, I f- okay, I mean, you're going to think, this old. guy, yeah, this is going to be the last time I ever have him on my podcast. Uh, I woke up early one morning with a strong thought in my mind to reread the prayer of Daniel from the book of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. And that prayer is such a fascinating story, because you might remember he was praying that this the 70 years in Babylon had come to an end. He was standing on the prophecy of Jeremiah and saying, "Lord, I'm reminding you it's time to set your people free." And he said, part of his prayer was, he repented for the sins of his fathers
0: hmm.
1: He repented for the sins of his fathers. He uh, and then and then that amazing moment that an angel appeared to him, uh, 21 days later, and, and said, "Mike," he said, "Daniel, from the moment you prayed, heaven heard you. Heaven heard you." And then there was this power, this wrestling match with the prince of Persia. Finally, Michael came and helped me, and I got. And I, so that's another story about spiritual warfare. But I was struck. by the fact that Daniel prayed a prayer of repentance for the sins of his fathers.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so it it came to, at least I came to an understanding that I don't think Daniel was saying that I'm sorry that I was hard hearted because Daniel in scripture is the one guy, he and Joseph about whom nothing negative is said. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know they did do bad things, but uh, in scripture, they're heroes, right? I think when he's repenting for the sins of his fathers, he's stating publicly for heaven and hell to hear what they did was wrong. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Lord. I agree with you. What they did was wrong. And so I took that as, as my mandate to offer that type of prayer. Here in the public setting, with Dorian standing next to me, I'm praying and I said, Lord, what happened, what they did was wrong in the Deep South. What they did was wrong in slavery. Every time a whip hit the back of a black man, that was wrong. Every time that a husband was separated from his wife, that was wrong, and I just went down a litany, a litany of things. Okay, I looked up, and I saw these young black men walking toward the platform. Now, we're socially distanced, right? We're out in a parking lot. It's not like they can come to an altar but I saw uh, four or five young black men come and I could see the tears in their eyes. And I could hear Dorian getting choked up. And um, it was very profound. It was spiritually profound. And Dorian, uh, his prayer that followed was, Lord, this is all we wanted to hear. It's all we wanted to hear. Uh, We don't expect anybody to have the solutions, but we just uh, want to hear. And then he turned and in his prayer to the audience, uh, he spoke to the, to the black brothers and sisters. He said, "Now, now we have heard a man ask for forgiveness. We now have to set him free and set ourselves free from anger, from anger. He got preaching at that point. <laughs> he quit praying and started preaching. It was a very profound experience uh, for me that I, and for the rest of my life, I don't think I'll ever forget. Mm. How does that, hearing that story,
0: what do you, how do you react to that? It's, it's beautiful. It, it, I mean, I guess for the listeners, I want to say the, these are two men having a conversation with one another. So, so everybody else, you get to listen in, but yeah. Max and I are not having this conversation for your benefit, as such. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I'm, I find that beautiful. I find that important and powerful. That that owning of that, Wh- whether it was how much of that is on us, right? Like you have never picked yeah. up a whip, yeah. But as you vocalized already, you have had these these latent tendencies, these thought patterns, as I have had things we just didn't see yeah and and so owning even even owning the connection to that and to our fathers grandfathers and and so on down the line to use our power i think to to, okay to display yeah using our power and privilege yeah not to better our position
1: exactly but but to own
0: the failures to yeah. repent. You know, th- there are those of course, who will say, well, it's easy to pray. It's an, it's one thing to go and change the way you do. Everything. I
1: got it. I got it.
0: Well, that's another whole piece.
1: That is. That's it another is. whole
0: piece. But, but I, I mean, I've, I've encountered so much where, where there's, I mean, it's okay. Let me just put it this way. Scripture is jam packed full of, of what I would call in my movement, like prophetic significance, like yeah. prophetic actions uh-huh. where where something is done uh-huh. that is then followed up by ongoing concrete action. Yeah. But but that scroll has been eaten, or that whatever has been broken, Good. that thing has happened. Yeah. And for some reason in the cosmos we live in it. Yeah. It, it's important that that happened. So maybe so maybe imagine. the
1: word is stronghold. I'm wondering. Right, if that's Right. Really, maybe there's a stronghold here. I imagine. And, and, yeah. and what Daniel was doing was by prayer. Agreeing with God, breaking that stronghold,
0: yeah, and so I would interpret your you playing a role in your city as a man of your level of influence, taking that stance I would I, and 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 the the reaction that that those gentlemen had as you described, yeah. to me that would be the likeliest a spiritual stronghold that gets shifted or broken or dismantled but it remains the work of the saints to then move into the new reality and continuing to live righteously. It's like now I'm no longer bound, but I still have my responsibility for myself today. I'm going to walk out of this prison of hatred. I'm going to walk out of this prison of racism and generational curses that have caused me to see my black brothers a certain way. And I'm going to have myself constantly renewed. Mm, mm, good. But that's that good. a threshold has been pushed back. Um, thanks yeah, for sharing fun. that, Max. I really am blessed. Yeah, you to know,
1: it. it's, a, it's a, well, I didn't intend to share this when we started the podcast. We never did talk much about the book, but that's okay. This is what was on our hearts. You know, and, and, and the last thought I have is it's made me think about the importance of, of spiritual leaders in a community. Uh, uh again my friend dorian says uh we're not called to pastor a church we're called to pastor a city mm. and i think there's some truth in that you know we're called to pastor a city uh and and so as, as you look in your city and i look in my city god called us to these places i mean he placed us here and uh and 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 there's something unique about each city uh, and so may God give wisdom to all the city leaders uh, in around the world, where you are, where I am, but around the world. Uh, and let's not let's not dismiss the significance of our role. Even if you know, you know, I, if you're a pastor of a church of twenty people, you're still a pastor of the city. You know, mm-hmm. you've been called to pastor, uh, and maybe you're not on a church staff. That's okay. But if you're a Christian in a city, you're a priest or a priestess called to pray for that city and so let's let's enter into that i I, again i've got a long way to go in figuring this out but i feel like i'm making some progress and that's pretty good for a 65 year old to say
0: (laughs) max would you pray for us uh now (laughs) either either on the subject of the loneliness and isolation or or where we find ourselves in this conversation whatever's on your, on your heart lord it's such a
1: delight to talk to jonathan he's so perceptive so kind so gracious uh, and I'm and I'm happy to call him a friend. I would ask that, Lord, our words today, uh, if they have not honored you, that you would forgive us. But if they have and where they have, that you would bless them. And everybody, every person who hears this podcast anywhere in the world will lift their spirits today. Just lift their spirits. And grant them healing. Grant them hope. And we pray for those who are on the ledge, who are right there on the edge of despair you would please help them step back from the ledge, take a deep breath of your spirit, and trust in you more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Max. Uh, Max is such a pleasure to talk to. He is a very present, attentive guest. He's one of those kinds of guys who you who really makes you feel like you're the only one in the room now i suppose over zoom you know it is just the two of us but he is very present and i just i it's a blessing honestly someone of his uh fame stature you know his legacy of ministry is is a really down-to-earth personable guy so always a pleasure to have max on the show go order a copy of max's new book you are never alone trust in the miracle of god's presence and power it is beautiful cheerful delightful book that will bring i believe peace and comfort to your soul it is linked in the show notes and friends i hope that you have grace and peace in your life this week thank you so much for listening if you have not subscribed to the podcast hit that subscribe button in itunes or stitcher or google play or spotify whatever you're listening through and if you wouldn't mind uh go uh put a rating on the show for at itunes that would be really helpful to spread the word tell a friend thank you guys so much for listening much love to you all and we'll see you next week